afternoon, collectors and friends. Welcome to Trading Card Therapy, episode number 45. It is great to be back. It's been a whirlwind of a few weeks. Traveling the road as a professional baseball card treasure hunter can be exhausting. But the joking aside, yes, I've been working hard, of course, spending time with my family. And um, this past weekend was the Philly Show card convention uh, and almost like everything else uh, in between. Uh, so it's been very hectic, but grateful to be here today. And hopefully you enjoy today's show. So without any further delay, we're going to talk about a lot of different things today. But one of the things I wanted to cover was something we did actually in a private Zoom call with a few of our Breakamaniacs here at Vintage Breaks. And for those of you who don't know what Vintage Breaks is, check out vintagebreaks.com. We are the world leader in set breaks. And we also have many other fantastic vintage pack breaks, box breaks from the 60s the 70s, and some even cool breaks from today, like Topps Chrome Baseball, you know, Panini 3 and 2, Immaculate Baseball, that kind of fun stuff. Afternoon, Facebook users, it does not say your name. So um, if you want me to address you by your name, I'd be happy to, but all it does say is Facebook user. So appreciate you tuning in. Hey, what's up, Double E? Thanks for tuning in today. So where I'm going to start, I want to bring some value to you folks. Um, and speaking of, like I said, the Zoom call, uh, it was discussed in that call just, I guess, at this point, just a few months ago. Um, folks want to know out there who are collectors, who are investors, how they should properly insure their cards. Now, make no mistake, I'm not an expert in this field, but I have a company that I utilize here at Just Collect and Vintage Breaks, and I wanted to share that with you today. Many of you may already know it. For those of you who don't, I'm going to describe or share with you the company, but also describe to you some of the types of fees that you're paying now that you may not realize you can save with a blanket insurance policy. If you have, for example, an LLC or, you know, even if you're doing it as double E Inc., for example, you know, I don't know exactly how all that stuff works, you know, legally as far as setting up businesses and such. So we use something called collectibles insurance. You can check out their website at collectinsure.com, I-N-S-U-R-E.com. And we utilize the insurance for a number of different reasons, right? So we have inventory here. So that is one of the reasons we use it. We also ship out packages. So as packages cross a certain threshold of value, the insurance company explains to us how they want us to ship them out to our clients to make sure that we're covered properly for that amount. But this is a little known secret that as far as I know, um, isn't widely, I guess, known by every single collector and even some dealers were surprised uh, when I shared this particular fact with them um, over the over the weekend in Philly. So when you send out, and to be fair, this is only if you are someone, collector or dealer, that sends out cards to be graded by SGC, by PSA, by ISA, you know, by any of the biggies. So the deal is when you're sending out your cards for grading, you, of course, are paying the shipping cost, whatever that cost is to get it there. But then a lot of times, of course, if you don't have a blanket insurance policy, you're paying to insure the package. So what happens is those fees, especially if you're grading some expensive cards, can add up very quickly. So, for example, if you're sending out a $20,000 package of graded cards to be, you know, looked at by PSA or SGC or any of the other biggies, and you want to pay for third-party insurance, and once again, this is assuming that they're going to pay you if you have an issue. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm just talking about the actual buying and purchasing of the insurance, how much it costs. It is extremely expensive. And if you look when PSA sends you the cards back, so that's when you send them to them. But when you get the, what's up, James? 
Um, when you get PSA or any of the other grading companies you interact with to send you the cards back to you, you're paying for not only the return shipping, you're paying for the return insurance. So, for example, the business uh, that we do with Collect Insure, I believe this is the case, up to 25 grand. We ship our cards out for grading via FedEx today, two-day packaging. And the reason why we do that is because our rules state that if you want to send out a package that's being insured for $25,000, you have to send it out at a certain level, a certain threshold and above. And so you might say, well, wait, like, why is that a good deal? Why would I buy this insurance if I'm already, you know, I don't need that. I can just go to the post office. You can. But what I'm trying to explain to you is that if you grade cards often, as often certainly as we do, the amount of money that we would spend in insurance, buying it from a third party, such as the post office, or I guess FedEx, even if they did that, would be not only extremely costly, but it would be cost prohibitive. What I mean by that is, we know for a fact that based on the amount of business we do, we save money by having purchased and haven't done that for a long time. We have a third party insurance that we purchase from collectibles insurance. And to be fair, right, it's a pretty extensive policy. So if we ship something over a hundred grand, we got to do this. If we ship certain items under a certain amount, I think you literally just have to seal the package and ship it. Um, and so, you know, as far as any particular questions, let me know in the chat, or if you want to email me direct, you can contact me, Leighton, L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N, at justcollect.com, or just DM me right on Instagram. I'd be happy to help you. But the reason why I wanted to bring it up today, like I said, was twofold. For those of you who have no idea what insurance company a major dealer might use, we use collectibles insurance, collectinsure.com. But also, even if you're not a major dealer or you're doing this full-time, if you find yourself sending out a package a week to PSA or to SGC or to ISA or to BGS, or I mean, there's a lot of grading companies these days, gang. Um, but whoever is your grading company of choice, my guess is you're paying insurance on the way out. You're paying insurance on the way back. And if you start to keep those receipts, it might just behoove you to um, purchase a third-party insurance policy, such as we do here at Just Collective Vintage Breaks with Collectibles Insurance. You can find them once again at CollectInsure. Com. So I hope that little uh, tip of the day uh, helps you, even if it just helps one person protect their collection, then I feel like I'm doing uh, a good job today. And if you need some further guidance, just drop me a line. So I wanted to talk about um, the card show this weekend. It was awesome. Um, in terms of what was, you know, hot or desirable, absolutely vintage, pre-war, Gaudi, Candy, Wagner, Cobb. Um, Ruth, those were the biggies. Believe it or not, in modern, you might be like, oh, Jordan's always hot. He is. But specifically, I definitely saw folks targeting his star rookie. In fact, we had a star Jordan rookie. We sold it. Folks asked me if I had any others, if I was, you know, if I get a line on others to please let them know. So it does feel as though there is an increase in demand on Jordan star rookies at the moment. And absolutely pre-war, as much as Ruth is, is always like, you know, the, the strong leader there, Honus Wagner cards are on fire. I mean, if you saw an REA, I think a M116 blue portrait SGC one went for like 25,000 or something insane. So um, I wasn't going to mention this, but I would just bring it up because I heard myself say the price gang, do yourself a favor. It doesn't matter if it's vintage or modern. If a card has gone up 
grossly an enormous amount in a short period of time, I'm not saying you shouldn't buy it. Just saying, please use caution. I know for me, if I was in the market to buy an M116 Wagner Blue, I would not buy one now. I don't have FOMO. I have more discipline than that. And if the card settles in that range, then so be it. It is a tough card, but it is not a rare card. You will be able to buy it back. And to be fair, this applies, of course, to modern as well. And unless it's a one-of-one, once again, please be careful out there. When prices spike, we saw it happen during COVID. A lot of prices went up, gang. And a lot of folks, whether it be new to the hobby or, you know, yours truly included, right? Folks that have been around a while, there is no doubt that you can have FOMO very easily if you're not careful. So, you know, try to exercise some caution, but I wanted to kind of give you, you know, my two cents from the floor of the show. Retail sales at the booth were okay. Dealer sales at the booth are always brisk. What I thought was really cool, we had an over $1,000 sale of ungraded cards to one person. You might be curious what that was. It was a gentleman very simply working on and closing in on completing a 1933 Gaudi ungraded set. And by the way, it's not our very own Jim Ector. Shout out to him and Karma Records for all your music needs. Make sure you check out Karma. Um, but Jim himself is working on a 1933 Gaudi set. You know, his instigation or, or you know, what ignited him to start that set was, I think, getting one of the Babe Ruth Gaudis from our 1933 Gaudi set break here at Vintage Breaks. So there was absolutely demand for vintage. Certain players in particular were very strong. And then around the room in general, there was good sentiment. There was good feeling. Jordan cards are very desirable still. And someone's asking here, are 90s Jordans worth keeping selling grading? So as far as I'm concerned, Julie Dog, if you have 90s base Jordans and you think that they can grade 10 with PSA, and the reason why I'm choosing PSA in particular is because generally that's where I think you're best off grading those types of Jordans, at least at the moment, which always change. But I would save them up and I would try to grade them on a bulk special. And if you can't get a bulk special, I would just grade them on regular bulk. Because at this point, even when I thought, you know, some of these 91 Upper Deck Jordans in 10s, which are not, you know, particularly difficult cards to find in 10, they are still pretty desirable. So, yes, I would grade 90s Jordans as long as they're tenable. And as far as, you know, lesser grades, you just kind of have to see, use the pop report found at PSACard.com to figure out which ones are particularly difficult. And if it's difficult, for example, like a 93 Fleer Living Legends Jordan, which I almost bought at the show, amazing card. I would definitely grade that card. It would only get a nine. It's an awesome card. So hopefully that helped uh, with some of my um, perspective. Uh, I don't have all the cards I bought at the show. I wish I did. I'll show them off uh, on social media and or next week on Trading Card Therapy. I do have one of the cards here. Shout out to my buddy Richie. I've known him for a few decades. I was able to do a cash trade old school with him for a Babe Ruth Gowdy Premium. And if you want to see the actual Ruth Premium itself, or our video uh, together with Rich and I, please check out my Leighton Sheldon IG account, Leighton underscore Sheldon, or my Just Collect IG account as well. We posted the video in both places. Um, it's a good one. And uh, Richie, to me, is a natural on camera. Uh, but the joking aside, the reason why I wanted to bring it up is, hey, listen, let's be clear here, right? The economy is in a weird place. Interest rates are insane. Cards have come back to earth in many cases where they were, you know, versus two years ago. So no one is above doing a cash trade. And when I saw 
that Rich had this Babe Ruth uh, 1934 Gaudi Premium, I knew I wanted to acquire it, but I wasn't thrilled about the price. And I just feel like I've seen a lot of stuff at trade nights and, you know, buddies of mine are doing cash trade deals. Like, why can't I try to do that? So I talked to Richie at first. It was a little bit awkward because he's like, well, late, you know, you're throwing in the 68 tops mantle PSA seven. It's worth X, but I would only pay this. So I'll give you this what I would pay for it. I'm like, I don't know, Richie. I'd only pay X amount for your Ruth Gowdy premium, but I'm paying more of this cash trade deal. So he caught the point, got the vibes. We were able to pull off a deal. And I think it was 2,500 cash, uh, a 68 mantle PSA seven tops, a Carlton rookie in SGC six, which I got from our very own Melch from the BB community. I gave him that 2,500 for the Babe Ruth Gowdy premium graded SGC two. Full disclosure, I'm going to keep it for now. I'd like to upgrade it, but I feel like it's a good buy and I didn't want to lose out. There's that FOMO coming up again. Joking aside, it's not spiking, so I, I, you know, I felt comfortable enough to acquire it. And uh, we were able to pull off a deal. So like I said, if you want to check it out, check me out on IG. Um, bought a Willie Mays exhibit signed uh, and slab card by PSA DNA at the show. Like I said, uh, maybe I'll post it even on here on Trading Card Therapy because I mentioned it here first. This is certainly not vintage, but it is one of my favorite cards from the 90s. I bought a 93 SP Jeter. The PSA 8, which, you know, it's not a rare card. It's not even a toughie. Now, in a grade of 9, most certainly it's tougher. But the reason why I bought this is because I believe that the Jeter SP, in particular the 8, has come way back down to earth. Now, the 9, I think, is a great card, too, but it's thousands of dollars. And this card, you know, during the height of COVID, might have been north of 1,000. But in particular, the gentleman had like seven of these. I looked, and normally I will just turn them all away, but I have a rule when I buy Jeter 8s, and I'll, I'll put them away, and, you know, listen, if I um, get a stack of them, I think they're nice enough, maybe we'll crack them out, regrade them, but in particular right now, I've just been buying 8s, and my rule is this, I have to get them at market or below, and I want to make sure that when I look at the Jeter, specifically that blue, but of course you could see the foil on the three other corners, if I can't see the wear with my naked eye easily, even if it doesn't grade an eight and a half or a nine, I'm willing to buy it because I see so many 1993 SP Derek Jeter PSA eights that almost could be sevens that when I found this example and I'll show IG so you can see it's got very minimal wear, at least on the corners, I'm not talking surface, just the wear for a grade of PSA eight. I was impressed with it. Maybe it'll appreciate, maybe it won't, but I always have loved this card. And I know from opening hundreds of these packs, not just back in the day, but for vintage breaks over the last couple of years, it is extremely difficult to get and garner a grade of PSA 9. So I figured even if the card doesn't grade a 9, but it looks solid as an 8, why not buy it? That's what I did. So I think I paid 300 for this or three and a quarter. I have to check my records. All right. Speaking of, someone has just mentioned in the chat that my recent trip was a great success. It was, but not just to Philly, but to the Boston suburbs. And you might be thinking, late, I've been following you for a little bit. You were just there, just outside Springfield. Oh, that's right. We were, and I was. But I had to go back up. And what I'm going to show you today, where is, oh, great. Sorry. I'm going to show you some of the cards from this very special collection. But I know that, um, 
this is not usually a modern type situation, but I picked up another card for myself at the show that was modern. And the price is for a Kobe Michael Jordan game used jersey card duel. Generally, when he's on the Bulls, is a thousand plus. And this one in particular is numbered to a hunch. Listen, I'll admit, I didn't want it on the Wizards, but I, I want to have a Jordan Kobe game used card for my collection. Seemed to be reasonable shape. There was just one of these on eBay. It sold for 360. Maybe this card would be an eight, get lucky, marginally higher, but I think it's going to be an eight. And so, uh, actually, you can see he wrote it back 360. I bought this for 275. It walked up to my booth at the convention, and I bought this for my collection. So, just another card I wanted to share. All right. Next up is 20 different cards from a recent big. Oh, let me. There we go. From a recent big purchase in the Boston suburbs, there are 19 Cracker Jack cards from 1914 and 1915. Highlighted by a few Hall of Famers, but one biggie that you're going to want to stay tuned until the end of this reveal. I will show you all 19 Cracker Jacks, and there's a 20th card I didn't even know that they had of this player before I went up to Mass but I will show you the group. Just love the way these hit you with that deep red background. And even the, the white borders really uh, frame the card very nicely. You can see low to mid grade, but even finding a group of 19 Cracker Jacks these days is special. As you can see, some of them were bit by the caramel bug back then. It's kind of hard not to be as they were issued in actual Cracker Jack packaging. Agree, if you're a type collector, you got to get a Cracker Jack card for your PC. You can buy a low-grade example of a 15 common, usually for a couple hundred bucks. Highly recommend it. Not for investment, because you got a piece of American baseball history in your hands. And that's what I feel like with every one of these cards. Folks, if you're enjoying today's Trading Card Therapy episode number 45, please smash that like button, whether it be on IG, whether it be on Facebook. We sincerely appreciate the love. And if we're lucky... The whole podcast world will show us some love back. If you're listening to this and not watching it, you can tune in every week to see our live show. But if you're doing this afterwards, you, of course, can find our podcast wherever you enjoy your favorite podcasts, such as Apple, Spotify, and all those good places. Not sure of the Cracker Jacks yet. I really haven't had a chance to uh, enjoy them or really uh, look through them, research them, anything of that nature. But undoubtedly, I will definitely keep one, um, if not so. Now, these are all good. They're all, that Gowdy looks like a nice uh, mid-grade example. But we're coming up to a few Hall of Famers and one biggie, which is the reason why I initially drove to Massachusetts recently. And I had just been there like a week before. All right. Wahoo, Sam Crawford. We are. We just posted on excuse me, Instagram today. We are hiring. We're looking for breakers. We're looking for breakers assistants, people for the store. Drop me a DM right here on Instagram. Email me direct, Leighton at JustCollect.com. Harry Hooper, Hall of Famer. Smokey Joe Wood, very popular player. And the prize of the Cracker Jacks, fresh to the hobby, 
gorgeous centering. Even with that caramel stain, there's just something about this beauty that takes you back. 1915 Cracker Jack, Shoeless Joe Jackson's been in the same family for decades. Newly discovered and fresh to the hobby. Very excited about that here. Like I said, if you want to see the full story on this and the video, check out our blog at blog.justcollect.com. It is coming soon. Check this out. I'm going through a huge filing cabinet. Big metal thing I couldn't move for the life of me. A lot of stuff in top loaders. I'm like, Jesus, criminy, you didn't tell me you had an E95 Honus Wagner. Wagners are hot these days. Cheapest one you can buy on eBay, but E95 Wagner, seven grand. This looks like a three. So on that note of Shoeless Joe and Honus Wagner, you never know what you're going to see here on our Trading Card Therapy podcast. I hope you enjoyed the content today. I hope, I hope it brought you some value. Maybe you enjoyed the part about the vintage cards. Maybe the part about the insurance will help you in your collection or save some money in the future, which ultimately could put more into uh, uh, the savings from the, the, the insurance. And maybe you could buy some more cards from your collection. Thank you for tuning in today. That's a wrap. Trading Card Therapy, episode number 45. I'm the doctor, your host. See you next week.